0: Day, The Morning Drive, FM 96.3 and AM 620, WVMT.
1: I want my MTV. We are back on The Morning Drive on this hump day Wednesday and uh, joining us online now, we are going to hear the Downs-Racklin-Martin Legislative Report with my friend Patty Comline. Good morning, Patty.
2: Hey, how are you doing?
1: We're doing great. We're doing except, well. except for the fact <laughs> that we're all worried about this. Not all, it started out as eighteen percent potential property tax increase. Now I'm reading in VT Digger that it looks like it may be again potentially over twenty percent. Patty, can you let's delve into this issue a little bit? I've read the story on it, and it's it's kind of confusing. How does this <laughs> thing work with Act Twenty Twenty Seven?
2: It shouldn't be confusing to you, Kirk, because you served on that committee. I think you could explain the whole property tax system. <laughs> anybody,
1: right? I don't know if anybody can.
2: Exactly. Yeah, that's going to be the yeah that's going to be the the ultimate topic that I'm going to talk about. But I'm going to run through this as best I can in the time I've got. So property taxes are majorly funded by three buckets um, of resources, and they come from the uh, the income sensitized people who people make about less then $100,000 a year, they pay on their income. They pay a formula based on their income. Then you have the non-residential rate and the residential rate. They also call them the non-homestead rate, right? And the homestead rate. So the homestead rate is your house and the two acres it sits on. You can pay a rate on that. Anything outside of that, you would pay a non-residential rate. Non-residential rate is also uh, second homeowners, but it's also businesses, landlords. They pay the non-residential rate. So, free sources of, of funds going into the ed funding formula. <clears throat> Act one hundred twenty seven, which passed last year, was meant to address uh, a concern that many had that some students in some areas cost more to educate and uh, because they're second language learner, you know, English is a second language learner or for other reasons. And so there's a formula and it gives more money. They weight certain pupils more. So more resources resources would go to certain schools. So they recognized what that's gonna do then in areas where they had students that were easier to teach. They were gonna see a property tax hike, you know, to to pay for those students. They're gonna lose taxing capacity. So they were giving them a soft landing. They said, we're gonna cap your taxes. If they go above um 5%, we're gonna cap them at that 5% for five years. If you don't hit that 5% in the first year, you're not eligible for the following years. So they thought this property, this 5% cap would help those schools losing taxing capacity. What they didn't account for, and I don't really understand why nobody accounted for this, but I wasn't sitting in there. I probably would have not caught this either. Um, there are certain cost drivers that happen this year. A lot of them happen every year. But, you know, they said student um, teacher health care, the health care costs went way high, right? The schools continuing infrastructure needs, you know, their buildings need work and deferred maintenance, we hear a lot about. Um, ESSER funds, ESSER funds are... The money that, uh, they got post COVID, they got one time money that they were able to use for two years and that money's going away. So they spent that money, but they didn't spend it on one time, one time problems. So they want, they built programs that they need continued funding for. And then of course there's ongoing behavior and mental health issues, particularly after COVID that kids have and they have to hire staff for. So all of these things drove up the cost anyway. So many schools were hitting this 5% cap just because of these other issues. And the more schools hit these caps, the five percent cap and spent beyond that, someone has to make up the difference. So that money was shifting to the schools that weren't hitting the cap, the excess spending. As those schools had to bear that burden, they were hitting the cap. And it created this cycle and that was all running in the residential rate. And so they realized we can't keep we can't fund it through this rate because I don't know if I'm getting really confusing. Because they could pay for it, because everybody was hitting that cap and freezing their spending. So the only way to go after it really is to go to the income sensitized people, which they won't do, and then and the non-residential rate. So if they froze it for the residential rate, the property taxes would actually go up for the non-res rate, which remember that's our businesses, our landlords. Twenty-seven percent increase mm. is one example. Yesterday.
1: So, so so, so again, I want to it just it, it is confusing. It is very yeah. complex and confusing, and and um it is. It's just like the education finance system that we have. It's it's hard to describe to anybody, um, but so the concern now is is right. And tell me if I got this right or wrong. And is that there are a lot of school districts now that are jacking their spending up this year because this is the time to do it, and therefore the spending. There's this great concern in Montpelier that the spending is going through the roof, and that's why we're looking at this maybe twenty percent increase, which is really is unacceptable. Is that right? Yeah.
2: Well, you know it said that, that was they heard from one school like, "Well, we might as well spend past the cap because now we 're capped. and but they 're spending like on infrastructure, things that are needed anyway, so it wasn 't like irresponsible spending, but it was really what they heard more that 's what they heard first. What they really heard more about is no it 's all these other things that are, that are that are causing an increase, even if they took their discretionary spending away, they still had these other things that were blowing them through that cap anyway um, so the committee's very concerned about it they, they take them I listened, I listened to the hearings yesterday, and I've got to say the chair is being very open-minded and transparent in that we need to. This is a real problem, and we need to address it. This, um, we can't we can't just just go at like business as usual. But the concern is like they're trying to patch a sinking ship by looking for other revenue sources, which translates as new taxes to kind of patch it up. And instead of you know this this property tax increase that's going to be between. Between fifteen and twenty two percent we're estimating right now, they want to fill it with other taxes that they haven't come up with yet. And so rather than addressing the cost drivers, the you know, the fact that these schools use one time money and they have to cut these programs or you know, the teachers' health care costs, or the behavior and mental health issues they're being asked to take care of when really that should not be coming out of the ed fund, right? Those are human service needs. Yeah.
0: Well exactly. Um, and yeah. uh, they they kept saying when we had this money, oh, don't worry, we're not going to, we know this is one-time money, we're not going to create, everybody kept saying that, but in the reality, that's not the case. They, they created things with this one-time money that need continual funding.
2: And a lot of that are because, like, what they do is they hire paraprofessionals to help with the behavioral issues. And so they lost their one-time funding, but they still have kids that have these needs. And, yeah, they have to cut staff, and then they're going to, you know, they're afraid of what's going to happen with the kids' needs. Um, and there are a lot of things that they're being asked to do that should come out of mental health services. Um, and there's a lot of talk about what those costs are, up to like $300 million, if that should be paid through somewhere right. else, and they should stop asking schools. We're, to do talking, it, so.
1: to, we're talking to Patty Comline. With the, this is the Downs-Racklin-Martin Legislative Report. Patty's uh, doing this. This is a weekly report. Um, and, Patty, I want to ask you a couple questions, which is, is there any chance that Act 127, which has just been put in place, this is the pupil waiting, the new weights that kind of helps schools that are, have high-poverty rural students and, and English language learners, so it helps other places, but certainly Burlington and Winooski have been big, big benefactors of this. Is there any chance that's going to get thrown out?
2: No, I, th- I think what they will look, no, not the pupil waiting. What they're looking to do is modify that 5% cap, they did say yesterday the things they want to look at. They want to look at the burden that they're putting out on on uh, people who pay their property taxes through an income sensitized that's that they get the property tax credit, right? They pay on their income. They want to they want to address that, and they want to look for other revenue to help right. kind of beef up the system. Hey. Which is they have on their docket a lot of new taxes to consider. Yeah, um, and so that's a concern too. Where are they going to get the money? They haven't mentioned the teacher health care at all. They they did address that there. You know we need to be looking at you know, school, um, school, uh, the infrastructure. I'm working on, you know, school buildings and how they pay for that. So you, think, so
1: you think that 5% cap might be modified? Carolyn Brannigan in the committee said we ought to ditch it. That's just one person's opinion, obviously. It doesn't mean that's what's going to carry the day, but uh, you don't think it'll be completely ditched, but it'll no, be modified? No, I think they'll
2: look more, yes. They said more surgically. They'll look at who, who needs the cap because of that per pupil waiting for the intention that it was meant for um but but a lot remains to be seen they still didn't have all the school budgets in. they have to you know of course while all this is going on the school they didn't know there was a problem really until two weeks ago because mm-hmm. schools start filing their their budgets and so they're they they're, they're going to pull their budgets back they have to vote down you know if they put that five they, percent they built budgets based on that five percent and now they learn that they don't have that they have to pull their budgets back. I don't know how they do that.
0: Well, and and just anecdotally, or I mean, I I know a lot of teachers. I'm married to one, and they just had a a meeting in South Burlington where they're they're looking at a potential of eighty positions that they're going to have to get rid of. <laughs> uh, so the schools are, are looking at this, going, we I I I think it's a misnomer to think that the schools are just kind of. Going willy nilly with the cash, they're they're really trying to figure out ways to to cut back simultaneously. Uh, does anybody ever in the committee realize that even if it's landlords, that that's gonna that's a tax on on the the renters of of the state because the landlords can't absorb a twenty seven percent increase in cost without passing it on to the people that are renting from them.
2: I do. I, I was um, reassured in listening to their their testimony that and their conversations that they do recognize that and they do recognize, you know, a 27% increase on that that population and on the businesses is, is not, cannot cannot go, and so that's why they're really looking closely at everything. What, um, one to your point about what you're talking about with your, you know, the budget and laying off 80 people. A, a lot of these schools testified. I think 15 different districts had. To, superintendents or the head of their school boards testifying. And even if they like cut, 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 they still, they still are hitting, you know, 15% increases. And um, so, but you can't explain it. Then I'm not even mentioning the yield because the yield, I don't know Kurt, if you remember the yield, but, oh, yeah. but you apply, you vote on a school budget, but you're not voting on a property tax rate yeah. after you pass your school budgets. It all gets fed into the ed system. And then this yield, this number is set and it's added to the equation. And then you get your property tax,
1: yeah, it's a it's a system that nobody can, can explain not or understand. No, it really isn't. Um, so we'll be watching what happens in the Ways and Means Committee because uh, obviously I think the vast majority of people are really concerned about this across Vermont when you're talking about a 20% plus property tax increase. Wow.
2: And if you, anybody to take away from my conversation right now, I, I did the best I could to explain it. And you not. I know I sounded really confusing for this eight minutes, but that's the takeaway: is the system doesn't work because it's not clear and no,
1: transparent. No, it was. It was. I listened, and it was confusing. But that's that's. It's not because of you. It's just because this, That's the way the system is.
2: I think there needs to be an an uprising of people saying they need to redo the formula. They really I, do.
1: I'd like to see the whole. Of course, we remember Heidi Shurman actually proposed back when we were there, just tossing the whole thing out and starting over.
2: Yeah. I think they'd like to do that, but they're at this weird spot where they can't do it at this very moment. But maybe yeah. maybe this is the thing that gets them to change it next year. That would be amazing.
1: All yeah. right. Patty All right. Comline with Downs Racklin Martin. Thanks for that report. That was great.
2: Okay, good to talk to you guys. Have a good day.
1: All right. Thanks, Thanks Patty. for the update.